Hi, this is STM Associate Editor Courtney Wolf, and I'm here today with Tracy Thomas, Vice President of Marketing at Boone Edom, an access control provider specializing in turnstiles and revolving doors. Recently, Boone Edom conducted a survey to find out what security professionals think about the risks of tailgating into their facility. So we're going to talk to Tracy today about the results of that survey and why you should care. So to start, Tracy, can you, you know, explain what tailgating is when we talk about it in this way? Because, you know, it might be a new term for some of our listeners. Yeah, thanks, Courtney. And it's a pleasure to also talk about the survey. Tailgating is, if you just go right back to a simple scenario where you have a swinging door and somebody pulls that door open, they've badged in and they've gotten ahead and gotten authorization through access control and they're going into work and they open that swing door. What tailgating is, is if they go ahead and allow another person to walk in the door with them. So you've got one validation from the access control system, but you actually have two people that have gone in. And so you take that scenario, and if you look at something like a turnstile or a security revolving door, that sort of thing, you're basically talking about the same thing. You're talking about two people somehow getting in on one authorization, and there's a number of different ways that that can happen, but that's pretty much that's pretty much what it's all about is two people getting in and, and there's only there should only be one. Right. And I mean it's obvious why you guys have stake in an issue like this. So what did you set out to learn from conducting this survey? Well, you know, what we do is we manufacture all types of turnstiles from waist high, optical, full height security revolving doors, security portals, just you name it. And that's that's what we're doing is we're, we're answering the call of the market. They call us. They want these. They want them in different types of facilities, different types of industries. And so you get a sense that there's a demand out there. But what, what what's missing is you get you want to get a sense and be curious about it and go what what basically is in general the market thinking about tailgating how much how many of them are aware of what it is what are they doing about it how many think that it really is a problem that needs to be addressed and what's the potential cost of a tailgating breach into their facility it's it's really about just trying to get an understanding of of where are their heads at. And we really tried in this survey to reach out through social media to have people take a survey that had not done business with us. Mm -hmm. And so we're getting a, a very unbiased reading here of what of what people are thinking about. You know, there, there's so much information in the industry. There's so many news stories and there's so much continuing education and there's just a lot going on. And there's a lot of information. But how many people out there really think about that particular thing versus, say, you know, cybersecurity and IT breaches and so on? Right. How many people think about that physical breach? And that, that's what this is. That, that's what we're trying to do. I wished I could have asked even more questions, but I wanted to keep it short and sweet and let someone come in, answer some questions, and, and get, get back to, you know, fighting fires or what, it, what, it, what they're doing. So, right. So we tried to try to keep it short, and the other thing we did is we asked end users, and we asked integrators, and we asked security consultants. We wanted to get a sense of what do end users think, and what's their stance on tailgating in terms of their facility, 
And then what our integrators and consultants, and we kind of pulled them together as, and con, content, you know, we refer to them in our survey as security advisors. Mm-hmm. What do these advisors do in terms of tailgating? Do, how often are they recommending or talking about tailgating and that physical breach with their customers? So we kind of branched the questions to, to try to get some revelation into, into those two different groups. Right. And, you know, so what were your thoughts on the results? Were they what you expected to find out? <laughs> well, they, a, a lot of the time, I, I think so. I mean, there were there were things like questions. One question we asked was like, what types of technology are you using right now to address tailgating? You know, you're, they're using access control systems basically over 40% of the time. They're using guards 25% of the time, cameras and VMS 10% of the time. So there's a solid group of, of technology people that are using this technology to do physical security and perimeter security. Um, so there's a lot of that that you're like, okay, yeah, a lot of people are doing it. Maybe I thought that those those the things would be a little bit higher, that there would be even more access control systems than 40%. Right. Maybe I was thinking maybe more like 70%, you know, that it would be even higher. So I thought, well, you know, that's kind of low. The other thing is, it kind of stood out was when you just looked at end users, over 70% of them believed that the way to address tailgating was to have some kind of barrier. Mm-hmm. Now, that it could be a barrier and have a guard nearby, or it, it, if the barrier could prevent tailgating, then, then use that. So right. if you lump those two those two answers together, you had over 70% of people saying, okay, yeah, a barrier would be a solution. Huh. And then then another way, another question was, well, do you think a breach could happen at your facility? You know, what, what do you think the likelihood is? Right. And 71% said that they really felt that a breach could happen. Wow. <laughs> so, so you're going, okay, what do you do with that? You know, <laughs> um, you see that there's an agreement, there's an agreement that, that they, that barriers are a good idea, and there's agreement that there is vulnerability, right. and and so you start going. All right. The, the cool thing is that the survey makes you ask even more questions. You know, and oh, then absolutely. you're like, why? Why is that? You know, and mm-hmm. you don't have the answers. You didn't divulge and ask eighty more questions. Right. You know, to find out right. why. But uh, it certainly it certainly brings up some good questions and and gives you that snapshot. So yeah, those were a couple areas that were a little bit surprising and maybe a little less of a surprise as we were looking at the security advisors mm-hmm. this time around. We had done a survey about five years ago and, and we didn't do the advisors last time, but, oh, okay. but this time we did. And it was nice to see that 63% said that they recommend security entrances every single time they're they're talking with a client and 68% recommend them to address regulatory compliance right. and that's, that's really that's good and right. you know because we asked this group this question for the first time it was a, a nice surprise i guess it's what i'm trying to say yeah absolutely and i mean when i was going through some of the results one that sort of stuck out to me was that 46 percent of end users believe the cost of a tailgate breach would be lower than five hundred thousand dollars but only 28 percent of security advisors believe the same so i mean why do you think this discrepancy in perception exists between the end user and the advisor yeah that was, you know, that too was interesting and a little, you know, a little bit of a raised eyebrow, a little bit of a surprise there. You're like, oh, 
you know, why is that? Mm-hmm. And first of all, just for the benefit of those listening, I'll point out that the question was asking them to basically rank, you know, how much they thought it would cost. And so you had choices ranging from insignificant to greater than $2 million to finally a too high to measure, okay? So people could just pick one of these, and, and that's how we came out with this answer. Like you're saying, 46% of end users believe that the breach would be lower than half a million, and 28% of security advisors agreed. So the thing that I think about, you know, and again, we couldn't ask them, we we can't circle back to these same people and go, why did you say that? Or why, you know, why? why?" But you think about a security advisor and what they're exposed to every day while they're in their office and while they're out meeting clients. And, And my own conclusion, my own thoughts are that they're exposed to more information about breaches because they are in touch with so many more clients. I think when clients pick up the phone and call an advisor, it's because they've heard about a breach or a mm-hmm. breach, a minor breach may have happened, mm-hmm. and now they're, they're, they're kind of woken up and they're like, I need, I need help. I need you to solve a problem for me. I, I've had something happen. There might have been domestic violence coming into the workplace. Somebody came in, Somebody, something happened or something was stolen, and we just realized that we were, we need to do something. And so I think that being on the receiving end of that and, and seeing so many more incidents and having exposure to that leads them to think about that cost. And they seem, advisors seem to be in tune with what are, you know, the what what is the liability? You know right. what what can happen? You know because they'll have a customer call them and say, "Hey, you know we've had to shut down our plant for a couple of days because there was a crime or something mm-hmm. happened, or we you know there was a homicide, or we've had lawsuits." And so they kind of can add up these things and see that it's too high to measure right. can make sense. Um, now, end end users, on the other hand, they they have a lot of other stuff going on and they may not be aware or exposed to what actually happens and what the costs of that are in terms of liability to their organization. They might just have less less um, information that, that they're aware of. The thing that kind of makes me laugh is there were some people that were, you know, well well under 25,000 or they said it was insignificant and I was like, well, what kind of facility do they have? Right, right. <laughs> you know, like what what is... What what do you have that it's it, that it's nothing and and maybe maybe what that is is they're thinking, well tailgating is probably a you know kind of a of employee who forgot their badge right you know maybe right. that's it's just innocuous to them you know like like there's there's really no concern here and so you know like like I said we couldn't we couldn't ask them why they picked what they did and it would have been interesting to find that out but. Um, Really interesting when you quantify, you know, the groups and, and, and you see that difference between the two different groups. Right, absolutely. Definitely. And, you know, were there any other key findings that came out of this survey, you know, that, you know, maybe they weren't necessarily surprising, but perhaps they reinforced what you already believed about tailgating? Now that, you know, there was one question that we asked the security advisors because, you know, our orders our orders go out the door to all these different customers that are in different industries. And one of the things that we asked the advisors was, 
what percent of the time are you seeing security entrances being installed in different verticals? Mm. Get a sense of, you know, what verticals are really using these a lot more than others? And so they basically, they had a lot of verticals that they that they could check boxes on and say, you know, zero to 20% of the time and 21 to 40% and all the way up to 81 to 100% of the time, right? right? And so you got a range of verticals from manufacturing, petrochemical, technology, pharmaceuticals, healthcare, transportation. And basically what I thought was interesting, you know, was, all right, what confirmed what I thought I was seeing was that data centers, technology, government, and pharmaceuticals were deploying security entrances a lot. There was a, a good majority of people that were checking the box for 61 to 80 percent of the time or 81 to 100 percent of the time. And I was wow. like, ah, okay, you know, that makes sense, okay? Right. But sometimes I, I, I would beg to differ with some of them, you know, because one of them was insurance. And, you know, insurance, they have financial records, they have stuff that, you know, they need to protect. And I saw, like, it was a much lower band, you know, around that that 20% or less than 20% were saying insurance. And I know a number of companies that are insurance companies, and they've been installing them, too. So sometimes you're like, okay, you know, interesting. Right. Another group that was low was manufacturing or retail distribution. We're seeing that there is growth in those, actually. We're seeing the auto industry is using full-height turnstiles and tour lock uh, security revolving doors, for example, and retail and distribution, like those giant warehouses where you've got all these people and they're moving boxes and shipping stuff that you've ordered to your house. They're using turnstiles too to make sure that people, uh, metal detection is happening when people are going into work and then they're using turnstiles at the end of the day to make, to kind of randomly discern whether, you know, somebody pushes a button and they get a red light or a green light and they, if they get a red light, they have to get a pat down and, and they're trying to prevent theft. Right. So, we're seeing, you know, movement in those areas as well. But they, but to the security advisor, they scored lower, and and um, not sure why, but um, but that it could be just the way that their business is and who their clients are. It, it may have something to do with that. So right, yeah, very very interesting. Huh. That is. I mean, there's just so much information that came out of the survey, I feel like. Does Boone Edom plan on, you know, taking action on any of the findings or, you know, making any changes based off of the results? I, I wouldn't say we would make changes. We're going to continue to put ourselves out there and make ourselves available to all to all industries. And because we have a, a, a very wide range of products, um, you know, every industry uses them differently. Um, they, they, they need different products for different reasons, and they have a different type of budget. So we, we continue to march forward, and we continue to, to be available to, to all these industries with, with solutions that they need. The, the thing that that what we like to do with a survey and when we get results like this is we like to make it available and to let others read it and, and take a look at it. And maybe, the, you know what, there were only eight questions. Like you said, there was a lot of information that came out of eight questions. But I think the nice thing is that when someone looks at it, they ask questions too. And that's always good, you know, when someone 
it's like, I wonder why that would be, or what about in our situation? So sharing it is kind of a key priority right now, and we're always, you know, we're always um, trying to educate them on what the liability is. So we're here to help an advisor, you know, uh, communicate that or help an end user learn more about what, what liability is there um, for their organization through through a breach, a, a physical breach through tailgating. Yeah. And, you know, it seems like that is one thing that the survey showed was sort of a lack of education or a lack of knowledge on the risks of tailgating. How should those in the industry educate their clients and, you know, convince them that this is a real threat to their business? I would think that if if they have exposure to breaches that all of their other clients have been through, I think when you're in business for a long time and you've had a lot of, a lot of, you've done a lot of solutions and you have also heard the problems that your other customers have, you can leverage that and share the stories about what happened to customers anonymously, of course, but you can share stories about the, the overall liability and some of the catastrophic things that can that have happened so that it can help help an end user kind of see it it's it's more it's more than just somebody coming in and stealing a laptop you know there there could be other things that could happen to somebody when somebody comes in the other thing that they could that um, they could bring to light is is trying a penetration testing that so somebody can just show look how easy it is for me to get in mm-hmm. and I can get all the way to your computer or your server room I can I can get trust by the receptionist or the guard that's up front by posing to be somebody helpful or whatever that can that can shine a big old light on you know the the current state of your facility in terms of how how tight it is or, or, or where the vulnerability may be. Oh, absolutely. And so you said that you guys have also done this similar survey five years ago. Did you see an increase or a decrease, would you say, in the understanding of the importance of secure entrances in the consumer? I am One of the things that, that we saw, like one of our early questions was, do you see that breaches from tailgating are on the rise or are they staying the same or are they decreasing through what you read about, you know, in the industry, what you read about in media? And the, the thing that, um, that was pretty much the same as, as it was five years ago is that they, they believe that things are increasing. Basically, of end users, there was 43% that said, we think things are increasing, or 26% said, okay, it's about the same. And then advisors said increasing, you know, it was like 35%, and then the same about 32%. So I don't know was also part of that. And so some people just, maybe they were like, okay, you know, I'm not, maybe I'm not hearing stories about it, so I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. But the increasing, that, that element was similar to five years ago. Mm-hmm. People I think people are aware that there's, I mean, there's just so many, there's more stories that are being covered now about, about breaches and about people that are, that are getting in. So, you know, people are, people do recognize that and see, see that, that risk that's there and, and that it's, you know, prevalent. Right. Seriously. And it points to, you know, potential justification or potential, um, 
you know, budgeting to try to work to solve it. I mean, even access control systems, 40% could go up to 50, 60%. The use of security entrances, the use of cameras, video, and so on, and, and guards, that's not going to go away. And so we're seeing, you know, that things are going to continue to, you know, to, to move forward. Right. And, you know, as things move forward in the entrance control space, what do you see that future looking like? That it's really interesting. When it comes to entrance control, you've got, you've kind of got a legacy that's happening right now. Access control systems were originally designed to work with buildings that had a lot of swinging doors. And so in the access control database, there's basically a value like door held open. And, you know, that doesn't give you a whole lot of information. Somebody held that door open longer than, you know, so many seconds. What happened when that door was open? Well, you don't really know. And, and, and so what we see is that, and we have customers that are doing this, they, they'll get a security entrance installed and they go into their access control system and adjust the database and add some more user fields or user-defined fields mm-hmm. that can count the number of times, for example, that somebody badged and it was, it, the badge was invalid. It's one. Uh, that could happen with the swing door, too, so let me go to the next one. So another one is they badge, they go in, and then there was a tailgating alarm. So they can count how many times a tailgating incident happened. You can start to get metrics about what happens at every entrance, specifically in terms of people moving through that entrance when it, mm. when you have security entrances there. Right. And the access control system can be customized to start counting and putting together reports on that. And you might find there's some entrances in your facilities that have a little more tailgating or a little bit more alarms or a little bit more something going on. And you can then take a look at the camera, kind of see what's going on and try to come up with a new education policy or something to to address that. So that's something that is starting to happen. And then if you kind of go further out, you can look at how biometrics are starting to evolve when they're used with a security entrance. There's the benefit of AI, and what what can happen with AI is there's learning that goes on. Cameras can learn to look at people and start to recognize them, even if they grew a beard or even if half of their face is turned away, and it can be better at identifying. And they can also be better at identifying the difference between a real two-person tailgating situation happening or it's somebody who's wearing a big bulky coat and has a briefcase, you know, And, and it can learn the difference and become extra, extra, super accurate. And so why not? I mean, AI can, can make can make it so that entrances just become really, really good at identifying the passage of people and, and who that person is and, and, and making sure that, you know, there isn't any question or false alarms or anything like that when, when people are going through. It, it can really work very, very well without the need for a human to to do that same job, and so that that's that's a potential that's out there. That would be a great world, and that could be coming up in the next several years. You know, the so use of AI and biometrics. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, thank you so much, Tracy, for taking the time to speak with us today. If anyone listening at home has any questions or comments on anything discussed today, please email me at Wolf C at bnpmedia.com or call 847-405-4032.